0: hello everyone this is victor jackson welcome to the bible centered podcast welcome to another episode of bible centered with victor jackson Uh, i want to thank all of you for joining um thank you for your prayers and your support um God has been doing some amazing thing, amazing things. And um, it's just been a privilege to break down the word of God. Uh, What I love about going verse by verse is that it confronts uh, culture, confronts the world. Uh, It may even confront traditions. And when you go verse by verse, there's scriptures that you cannot overlook and that you cannot pass by. Uh, but we have to seek for an in-depth meaning. Um, we put out the reel about how in Matthew 18 that God holds the offender accountable. And uh, for a lot of people, that that was a shocker. Uh, they they never heard of Jesus holding the offender accountable. Um, but it's Jesus' words and there were some people that had an issue with Matthew uh, chapter 18, verses six and seven, and that's fine, but it's still the word of God. And we have to bend ourselves uh, to God's word, I have to always come under the text, my, my presuppositions, my pre-understandings, my thoughts, my outlooks, my background, um, it cannot take place priority over God's word. I have to constantly come under his word. And that's the same for all of us because that's the only way that we're going to be changed is if we come under the Word of God because He will challenge us, constantly challenge us. Why? Because we're human and we're living in a fallen world. But if we're going to be changed, we have to, we have to come under the Bible. And the people that do not change are the people that use their preferences and opinions and traditions and cultures and backgrounds. They put it over the word of God. And no matter what the word of God says, they're not going to obey, listen, or try to understand it. Instead, they are going to try to find a way to excuse themselves. As I was teaching to our our home church, In Orlando, Bible Center of Orlando, uh, this past Wednesday, I talked about how a lot of people uh, know how to divinely exempt themselves from every sermon, how every message is never for them. It's always for somebody else. Um, As one writer said, the mind is never more creative than when finding an excuse and that's a dangerous that's a dangerous place to be when god's word can never prick your heart and convict you i'm going to tell you something right now god's word convicts me i want to obey his word and there's a joy in obedience the bible says where there is no vision the people perish but he that keepeth the law happy is he uh, one translation says, where there is no vision, the people cast off for restraint, but he that keeps the law happy is he, meaning there is something liberating about living under the laws of God. There's something freeing about obeying his commandments. As the psalmist said, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. There's something about the word of God that is illuminating. As David said, he said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray from your commandments. And he says in your faithfulness you have afflicted me and so so we have to understand that success prosperity power joy is in our obedience to god's word and his will over everything even if that confronts our mentalities his word is the priority Let's go into Matthew chapter 18 and verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Before so much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Verse 35, last scripture. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. This is a continuation of what we talked about with forgiveness and reconciliation. And how it takes two parties to reconcile. It only takes one party to forgive. And... What I love about this is how Jesus makes things plain with common stories. That the word of God is not so abstract that people cannot understand. You ever talked to somebody and they were so deep and that you had no idea what they were saying? That they're the only ones that understand what they're saying and they say, well, I'm deep, I'm deep, I'm deep. Well, a good teacher is someone that can make the deep simple, that they can make the complex simple. And if you cannot make the complex simple, then if you cannot make the complex simple, then you don't really understand much about the subject. Um, And so, he starts with verse 23. Therefore, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants? And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, what we have to understand is that he uses something in plain sight, something normal, uh, a king. Uh, coming to take account of his servants and how much they owe. One servant owes 10,000 talents. Now a talent is about uh, 75 pounds worth of money. Uh, a talent is about 20 years worth of wages. Um... 20 years worth of money. And for a person to owe 10,000 talents, it, that is a an impossible debt to repay. If you owe 10,000 talents, that is hundreds of years of wages that you owe. As a matter of fact, 10,000 talents was more money that was circulating in all of Jerusalem at that time. Meaning, if you put all the money together that everyone has in Jerusalem, it's less than 10,000 talents. So this is an impossible debt to repay. Verse 25, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. Now, this was custom in this time that if you couldn't pay your debt, then you were sold to be a slave and possibly depending on how bad the debt was, your wife and your children could be sold into slavery as well. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Now I want you to see this in verse 26 because we get to see the flawed nature of humanity. And that is that this guy owns and owes an impossible debt, 10,000 talents, more money that's circulating and all of Jerusalem. But he goes and worships, And he says, have patience with me. And he says, and I will pay you all. Can I tell you that's a lie? This is an impossible debt to pay back. So you see something in the flawed nature of the person's character. What he owes his Lord cannot ever be paid back. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Now, this is so rare. A king that has doesn't have anything to do with these subjects has compassion, frees him, and forgives him the debt. Wow. But the same servant, verse 28, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. That's not even four months wages. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Now this servant has some character because you can pay four months of wages off. It's about three to four months of wages. It's a lot, but he can pay it off. But he would not, verse 30, and went and cast them into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Now, what is Jesus doing here? He's showing that, In the kingdom that he is going to forgive all the debt that we owe. Uh, Being in sin, we are worthy of death. We are guilty. But he is going to be the atonement. He is going to take the place where the wrath of God should have been poured out on us on the cross The wrath of God is poured out on his body on the cross. He took our place. Ah, he took our place. Oh, my goodness. He forgave us an impossible debt. This is what Jesus, this is what, remember, everything's going faster towards the cross. So now he's showing the the work of the cross, and he's showing what it's going to do in these parables is leading up, it's hastening to the death of Jesus Christ. The lamb which was slain before the foundation of the world. Watch this, guys. He is going to take our place that we are guilty, but he is going to shed his blood Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. He is going to shed his blood as the perfect lamb of God and die for our sins and forgive us all of our sins, all of our debts because of his sacrifice. And this is an impossible debt to pay back to God. What he did for us, it's impossible to pay that back. And as a reflection of what the Lord has done for us, he expects us to treat our brothers and sisters with that same compassion and forgiveness that he displayed to us. On the cross, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. The Pharisees conspired against them. The determinate counsels conspired against them. Yet he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. They are mocking him on the cross. Yet he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. They said, if you be the son of God, come off of the cross. Yet he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. He shows us that if he's willing to die for pharisees that are mocking him and trying to destroy him how much if he's willing to forgive pharisees how much more should you forgive the person that has harmed you you see what they did to him you see the lies you see the corruption Yet he still chooses to forgive. It's like Jonah whenever uh, he didn't want to preach repentance to the Ninevites because of the oppression that they were under. But finally, uh, after going uh, through a circumstance, as, as I've preached, that you know, he he was he was leaving, God's will and so God sent a well and so I've I've preached that God has a well for your will and God will keep you in the well long enough until his will becomes your will. Jonah went into the well with his will but he came out of the well with God's will and, and he went back to Nineveh and he started preaching repentance and all of Nineveh repented but he was upset And God told him, he said, why are you upset? You want me to destroy a generation that don't know their right hand from their left. That's powerful. We have to forgive because many times people don't even know the type of harm that they are inflicting and the type of damage that they are inflicting. That's why forgiveness is so important. And if God forgave us an impossible debt, Way more than 10,000 talents we owed. How much more should we forgive one another? Because no matter what someone has done to you, you have done more to God than they have done to you. I'm going to say that again. No matter what harm someone has done to you, you have done more harm to God than they have done to you so he gives the context of forgiveness if if you don't forgive them then why should he forgive you because he sets the tone of forgiveness by forgiving us an impossible debt so we can live out that forgiveness with with forgiving others with smaller debts, much smaller. A hundred pence is nothing compared to ten thousand talents. Then the Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desires me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion? on thy fellow servant, even as I've had pity on thee. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now this is speaking of everlasting fire. This is speaking of hell. This is speaking of hell and torment. Because there's no way he's going to pay all that debt that was due unto him. This is an everlasting torment. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Now, what what I'm talking about in this episode is authentic encounters. We have to have an authentic encounter with God where it affects how we deal with one another. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, I, I forgave you and I did all this for you so you can be an extension and a representation of what I did for you that you do for others. And if God has forgiven us an impossible debt, then we need to forgive one another of what lesser debts. Because God is watching us and how we deal with one another if we're holding grudges and bitterness and unforgiveness, we need to have an authentic encounter with God that affects how we handle one another and affects how we forgive one another. The the reality of Jacob's encounter with God when he wrestled that angel and he named that place Peniel for I've seen God face to face. The reality of that encounter was seen with how he dealt with Esau. And he told Esau, I've seen your face as if it's the face of God. My word, are you getting what I'm saying? Jacob had such an encounter with the presence of God that he said, I'm naming this place Peniel, I've seen God face to face. And so the next time he saw his brother, he said, I've seen your face as the face of God. His encounter affected how he saw his brother. We have to get authentic encounters. I don't believe it's the will of God for us to come into church services every Sunday, every Wednesday, and we leave the same and we treat one another the same. We have to walk with a love of God that goes beyond just loving him, but it's spreading to where we love one another. And and forgive us us, our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Isn't that the Lord's Prayer? Forgive me according to how I forgive them. You're praying that. God forgive me according to how I forgive them. And God says, okay, I'm gonna watch if you're gonna forgive, but you've been holding grudges for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to you right now. God is not against anger. It says, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Hey, Anger is an emotion. You're made in the image of God. You see, the Bible says the Lord was wrath. God has been angry. It's an It's a normal emotion, but that has to be channeled through his presence. Our encounters with God is supposed to affect our encounters with one another. And no matter how much we attend church, we must be conformed into his image so we can be the church. That's the whole goal of this. That's the whole goal of this podcast, that we be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. But someone said it this way. They said, listen, when you think of uh, Buddhism, you think of Buddha. When you think of Islam, you think of Muhammad. But when you think of Christianity, you think church, not Christ, but church. So we've raised a generation that's learned how to do church well, just just don't know how to be like Christ. Well, we know when to clap we know when to say amen we know when to shout we know when to respond we know how to say god bless you how are you doing oh i'm doing well oh god bless you god bless you we've got the church language down we just don't have christ's spirit being lord over us not just about attending church it's about allowing the presence of God to direct and conform us into his image so what happens is we learn church structure we learn what's acceptable and what's not acceptable but we're not learning on how to be conformed into the image of his son Jesus Christ Paul said it this way he said oh my children and whom I travail in birth again that Christ may be formed in you. What he's saying here is, is I'm thankful that Christ was born in you, but now my travail and my tears is that Christ be formed in you. I'm thankful that we have been born again of the water and of the spirit. I'm thankful that you have a new birth, but what I am travailing for is that Christ is formed in this generation. that we are changed by the power of God, that we have an authentic encounter. The testimony of an authentic encounter is how we treat one another. And out of all the impartations that people pray for, I pray to God that we get an impartation of Christ upon us. Gifts of the Spirit can be imparted in the moment, but the fruit of the Spirit takes time things have to be lived out but I don't want to get so used to doing church that I miss Christ that I'm faithful to church but I'm not faithful to Christ and so and so I'll I'll say it this way it's like whatever Moses made a bronze serpent. God told him to make a bronze serpent. Make a bronze serpent so the people, when they look on it, they'll be healed because there were snakes in the camp. So they'll be healed from the effects of these snakes. He made a bronze serpent, and they looked on it, and it was a place of healing. Let me minister to you in the Holy Ghost right now. When they looked on the bronze serpent, they were healed. It was a place to come to be healed. Watch this. But then years would go by. And now the Bible would say that they raised up that bronze serpent. Ah. And they started worshiping the bronze serpent. And the Bible says when they started worshiping the bronze serpent, that the people were judged and he had to break the bronze serpent down to pieces. Let me give you a word from the Lord right here. The place, the the thing that God used to be a place of healing, when they started worshiping it more than God, God broke it down in pieces and judged them. The bronze serpent was a place to be healed, but when the people started worshiping the vehicle more than the one that gave it, when they started worshiping the gift more than the one, the giver of the gift, God said, I've got to break the gift, break the vehicle down in pieces to teach you where your help comes from. And so what happens is people are worship their church more than they worship Christ. Where it's not about even being a Christian anymore. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying here? This is how we do it at this. This is how we do it at this. this how, and we worship the vehicle more than the giver of that vehicle. And we get accustomed to the culture of this. Are you getting what I'm saying? We worship how we do church more than worshiping Christ and being the church. And we get the cultures of our local church more than the culture of Christ. But if we get the, the way to get, get up in the system is to do the cultures of the system instead of doing the cultures of Christ. Anybody that dares to obey Christ, you're going to get pushed away. You're going to get thrown out. But if you want to get elevated in the system. They reflect the cultures of the system, even if those cultures are contradictory to Christ. There's something about obedience to Christ that will expose the flaws of the system. But if we start worshiping how we do things uh, more than being like him, then he will break something down in pieces to teach you that there's only one God and he's that God. Some people will exalt leaders and systems above Christ. They will exalt leaders above Christ, and God has to show that that leader is human so he can show you there's only one God, and he's that God. The, the way to get promoted is is not to to conform to the cultures of of systems or, or, or the cultures of a secular system it's it's to get in his presence come on somebody it's to be conformed into his image and if and if that doesn't allow you to be promoted, in a certain system, then it is what it is. At least I'm conforming into Jesus Christ, and this is what I'm I'm showing you this culture of forgiveness. This culture of forgiveness. It it. There's a lot of folks that have grudges. But because of what Jesus did for us, we have to forgive one another. Let me say this. My my stepdad used to beat the mess out of me. I have busted lips. I've had, I mean, there was one time where he was beating me so bad that I was running and I was running and he tried to kick me. And when he tried to kick me, I dodged it and he hit his foot on the wall and he broke his toe. You wouldn't imagine as a kid how sad and broken that I was that my stepdad broke his toe. Because I felt it was my fault that he broke his toe. I should have let him kick me. Because my stepdad wouldn't have to be in a boot and on crutches if 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 I'd have just let him kick me. Guys, that type of abuse that I suffered for 11 years, I found it in my heart because I wanted to be like Christ. I forgave him. Let me tell you something. Everybody listening to me right now, nobody has hurt me anywhere close to how that hurt. So if I forgave my stepdad for kicking me and beating me and all of these things, there's no one that has ever hurt me that I could not forgive. If I forgave that, no one has ever come close to that type of pain. Nobody. In 15 years of ministry, no one's ever hurt me like that. And if I forgave that, at nineteen years old. I'm thirty-three now. If if that's how I came in and forgave that big thing, you don't think I can forgive someone that may lie on me or try to hurt me or 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 whatever? It's easy. It's easy. Because I think about what Jesus has done for me. Nineteen years I was living in sin. I deserve to die in my sin. But he forgave me. You know what? Because he forgave me. You know what? What my stepdad did, that's a hundred pence. I owed an insurmountable debt. What this person did, that's a hundred pence. It's not even a big deal. What this person did. It's not even a big deal. Compared to what God did for me, 19 years and I deserve to die, I can't even hold a grudge because I would never want God to hold a grudge against me. See, that's getting delivered from churchianity and being delivered unto Christianity. You see, because in the church, you can have grudges and still be promoted. You can hate people and still be promoted. You can gossip about people and still be promoted. Yeah, you will. You can get positions in the church without becoming like Christ, but you cannot be in the kingdom without becoming like Christ. I want to be like him, and I want to have an authentic encounter. These next few, you're going to see the tone shift in Matthew all the way up to, you're going to see a shift in Matthew all the way up to the end of the book because you're going to see it's getting intense because he's calling for self-denial. And you see everything moving closely to the cross. And so the next few chapters, it may be a little difficult, but it is what it is. I mean, it's going verse by verse. So you're going to be challenged. You're going to be challenged to live for God. You're going to be challenged to go after Christ over the systems of man. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy in vain deceit, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. That's Colossians 2. The rudiments of the world, that means the patterns of the world, the systems of the world. That was the most mind-boggling thing that I witnessed whenever I came to church, I was so free. Whenever I got saved, I I was so happy to be free from sin, be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Ghost, and it was so staggering to me to find out that there were people that weren't living it. Like I'm like, wow! I had an authentic encounter. This must be the best thing in the world, right, guys? Why, right? And it's like, no, no. We're in church, but we're not in Christ. We, we're we're the Bible says they were burning incense to that bronze serpent. They had a structured worship to the bronze serpent. So every day they bowed incense. They were bowing down to it instead of bowing down to God. I don't want to worship the system more than I worship God. I don't want to worship how I do church more than worshiping God. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I'm getting comfortable talking to you. Everyone listening, thank you for having a heart to listen But, guys, I've got to tell you the hard truths of the Word of God. If there's any system or any leader that is trying to make excuses, even spiritual excuses, to not forgive somebody, they're not being conformed to the image of Christ. Again, we talked about it recently. Forgiveness doesn't mean allowing toxicity back into your life. There could be forgiveness with healthy boundaries, but guys, nobody has has hurt you the way you and I have hurt God. Because, Because you know what you did to him? I'm gonna tell you what you did to Jesus. Your sins put nails in his hands. Your sins put nails in his feet. He took a curse upon himself. Your sins put a spear in his side. Your sins, come on somebody, cause him to scream out and give up the ghost on the cross. You did that to him. And nobody has done to you what you did to him. Because you're guilty of putting Jesus on the cross. And if he forgave you, and wow, he's got blood flowing out of his body, and he cries out, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. Who am I to hold a grudge? Who am I to be vengeful, who am I to harm anybody? I owe 10,000 talents, y'all. It's an impossible debt to repay. So I'm not going to leave God's presence after an authentic encounter and go and request payment and judgment on somebody that owes me a 100 pence. The Bible says he took the person by the throat. Right after an encounter with the king, he took his brother by the throat. Oh, my goodness. Right after an encounter with the king, the Bible says that he took him by the throat and laid his hands on him. There's a false False doctrine and false culture seeping in Christianity, where they make quotes like this. They say, Hey, I speak in tongues, but you can catch these hands. They say, Yeah, I speak in tongues, but hey, I'm ready to fight you at any time. Guys, we're being Bible centered here. That's false doctrine. Another quote they say is I, I I speak I speak in tongues, but I cuss sometimes. Wow. The Bible says evil communication corrupts good manners. It's amazing how the word of God will hold the culture accountable. It will hold church culture accountable. We have to be like Christ. I said, we have to be like Christ. We have to ask ourselves a question. Am I just becoming more like the church culture than I am being like Christ? That's the thing about Saul. Saul mastered the system. He was king for 40 years. He was king for decades without the presence of God. God left him. He was consulting a witch, and he was still king. He, he, he banned all the witches, yet he wouldn't go find a witch in his system. So he's accepted, but he's rejected by God. He's accepted by man but rejected by God, and he still is king for 40 years because he mastered the system, but he didn't master his presence. David is excluded from the system. He's having to hide in caves to survive, but he's accepted by God. He's a man after God's own heart. Because one is after the heart of God and the other is after the hearts of man. And when you're after the hearts of man, you can get a position and still compromise, get a position and still consult witches and warlocks and still still be in favor with man. Hmm. But David had a heart after God. That even when man didn't understand, he went after the heart of God. Even when man didn't understand, he went after the heart of God. The Bible says of the New Testament that Jesus had favor with God and man. I want you to catch this. I'm going to end this podcast in a little bit, but I want you to catch this. Jesus had favor with God and man, wait, but man crucified him. How does that work? I'm about to teach you something. He had favor with God and man, but there came a point where he had to choose between the favor of God and the favor of man. And when you choose the favor of God over the favor of man, there's a crucifixion nearby. Don't complain about being crucified. You want it to be like Christ, right? Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. You don't know him unless you've been rejected. Come on, somebody. You don't know him unless you've got nails in your hands. You've got, come on, I'm talking right now. You want to be like him, but you like the you like the resurrection side of him, don't like the suffering side of him. But I want to know him. Don't complain about the crucifixion. Don't complain about the rejection. Don't complain about the heartache, because Jesus went through it all for you, so you can have an authentic encounter with Him, and spread. As if He said, "Forgive you, forgive them, for they know not what they do on the cross." then you can say forgive them for they know not what they do at your workplace and at your church and in your family. Guys, the theme of Matthew is fulfillment. Speaking to the Jews is, is leading to the cross and it's intense. I know, I know, I know that that probably didn't feel good today. This particular word. I mean I mean you, we're going verse by verse so I mean next week we got to talk about divorce we got to talk about look I <laughs> who talks about this stuff I can't even Who talks about this stuff? You don't just go pick up, you know what? I'm gonna talk about this today. I'm gonna talk about unforgiveness. I'm gonna talk about divorce. I'm, I'm not choosing these subjects. I'm going through the scripture verse by verse. That's the power of going verse by verse. It holds accountable to share the whole counsel of God. It's not popular, but it's his word. I don't know about you, but I want the full version of Jesus. I don't want a partial version of Jesus. I don't want an American Jesus, a Chinese Jesus, a a Russian Jesus, Uh, I want want the Bible Jesus. And sometimes we settle for different aspects of him that we like instead of embracing him as a whole. And I wanna embrace him as a whole even if that challenges my life, my mind, my background, my upbringing. Because that's the only way i have true transformation. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Be transformed, guys. Hey, I love sharing the word with you. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. Thank you for the positive ratings. Thank you for the positive reviews. Thank you for the positive comments. And I also want to thank you for... Having a transformed life—that's more than any like, any view, any comment, any download could do. Thank you for striving to live Bible-centered. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson. Or you could come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.